This is Business Banter. My guest today is a business consultant and published author. We're going to talk about German trade fairs, business practices, and why it's important to separate the Dienst from the Schnapps. I'm your host, Gotham. Let's banter. My guest today is Antra Riemhofer. She's a business consultant, a published author, and a good friend of India. In her own words, she helps international companies conquer the German market. Some of her activities include market research and business development. She offers consulting for trade shows, business negotiations, as well as intercultural training. She's also a visiting lecturer at several private universities where she teaches topics related to intercultural communication and business. Today, she's going to talk about her book, Doing Business in Germany, a concise guide to understanding Germans and their business practices. Antra, thanks so much for being here. <laughs> Gotham, thank you for having me. So you've written a book about doing business in Germany, and you've covered a lot. It's full of interesting and useful information. You've written about topics ranging from German history, politics, and society, all the way to preparing for trade shows and business meetings. So my first question to you is, what inspired you to write this book? Oh my God, what inspired me? Maybe guilt, guilt, because I, I promised to write the book uh, to my ex-boss, Mr. Royston Laporte in India. Uh, you know, Gotham, 20 years ago, my internship in India with Tata McGraw-Hill, and I'm still in touch with my ex-boss, Royston. Whenever I'm in India, we are meeting for lunch, having some drinks, and now he's working for a U.S. publisher. And he said, Andra, I know that you are writing books. I know that you talk a lot about intercultural topics, doing business, and Business Expert Press, my publisher, who I now represent, they have that wonderful series of books about doing business in XYZ country. Uh, so why don't you write a book for us? And I said, yes, why not? And, yeah. and the guilt helped, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it helped a lot. Indeed, indeed. Gotham, I tell you, I delivered, I mean, in publishing with this kind of books, uh, it, it's different than writing novels. You would say, okay, what is the topics? What are the topics I want to write about? Who is the target group? And so on and so forth. You deliver that paper to the publisher and then the publisher would say yes or no. So basically, first I thought I yeah, draft something like this. I send it to the publisher and then I totally forgot about it. Honestly, I'm not kidding. And six or eight weeks later, they sent me an email and said, we are happy to welcome you as an author. Here's the contract. But this is something you're quite comfortable with, right? The, what is it now? Seven books? I think seven books. Let me count. Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sechs, sieben. Genau. Seven books and one in, in the second edition. Yes. Well, this is the only one that I've read so far. You know, I mean, I, I've still got six more to go. But um, you tell us a lot about Germans, you know, and I was quite uh, impressed by what you had to say about small talk. <laughs> so, you know, am I allowed to talk about anything besides the weather? 
Yeah. Okay. Weather is good. Weather is a safe topic. You can talk about weather. If you know a bit or two about football, you can mention. I mean, you can try how your client reacts. Uh, you could ask, uh, have you seen the game on the weekend? And depending on, I mean, if you're favoring the same club and who has lost and who has won, you are then deciding if you want to continue the conversation. Let's put it like that. Uh, so football, uh, what, what I always recommend to my international clients when they visit people in Germany, I mean, definitely keep it short, keep it short mm -hmm. in Germany small talk and uh, you know in Germany we don't even have a word for small talk so we use the English term for small talk and as you say it's about weather or maybe some football uh, what I recommend is ask questions oh first time I'm in Munich so happy that I can also stay for the weekend dear Herr Schmidt dear Frau Doktor Hinterhuber, what would you recommend I should see? What should I not miss? And let them talk about the beautiful city. And that's it. Then you start the meeting. So basically, the rules are you enter a place, you visit a site, you wait for your client to show up in the meeting room, then the client would enter and she or she would say, oh, uh, Frau Riemhofer, uh, haben Sie gut hergefunden? Have you been facing difficulties finding your way? And I would say, no problem at all. Or maybe there was a traffic jam and good. You want coffee? Yes, you want something else, mineral water, mineral water. Then I get the water with the bubbles and then the meeting starts. I suppose it's a good idea to learn a little bit about the city, the history, the attractions, and prepare yourself before the meeting. It's quite normal to talk a little bit about the region, isn't it? Uh, th that's always a good thing. I mean, that you prepare a little bit about the, the, the place you are visiting, uh, but, but don't overdo it. I remember great embarrassment. I ran into a really big problem. I was visiting this, a client in the city of Bremen in the north, and it's like one hour by car to Hamburg. And I was stupid enough to tell my client in Bremen, well, uh, after our meeting, I'll go to Hamburg. I stay for the night and I'm so much looking forward to see the city, really excited first time. What I did not know is that those cities don't like each other. So basically, um, yeah, yeah, not a good idea. Okay, that's good to know. I'm going to make note of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Bremen and who else? Hamburg. Hamburg, Bremen okay. Bremen and Hamburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So asking questions is the best thing. Then you can't say something wrong. And definitely this should not be stupid questions. But yeah, it, then you would not have managed to find your way to your client if, if you were stupid. So, okay, let's leave it at that. So I got to ask you about trade fairs. Now, this is a very important topic for you. You've uh, even written a book about it, which goes into greater detail. Uh, why is it important to plan well in advance when attending a trade fair in Germany? 
Well, why is it important to plan well in advance? Let's put it that way. Maybe you are experienced with visiting trade shows, with exhibiting at trade shows in the sense that you have had your booth at several shows. German trade shows, what is the biggest difference? Are huge. They are really huge. So, for example, uh, uh, an electronics trade fair in, in, in Delhi, I have visited one of the market leaders. We had three halls. If you go to Munich, you have 18 halls. So dimensions are bigger. Germany is a big hub for international trade shows where people from all over the world come, where you can meet all kinds of exhibitors and visitors. So uh, to keep it short, it's the sheer size and complexity of the shows. If you travel to Germany to visit a trade show, to learn, to meet potential business partners, to buy something, even then you would want to prepare and to uh, yeah, think about what is it that you want to achieve, what are the halls you want to see, what are the segments you want to learn about, what is the conference program, what are the sessions you want to visit, and most importantly, if you want to Uh, use the opportunity to meet people, to have conversations, to have meetings. You have to arrange them in advance. You also know a lot about India. So any specific advice for Indian entrepreneurs who are visiting these trade shows? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, so many. So hmm, where, where to start? I mean, one big difference. Um, yeah, just just imagine uh, trying to get a, a meeting with somebody. That's the first thing. That's where it starts. Uh, maybe in India, it's it's much more. Uh, much easier to get a meeting with somebody when you, for example, know somebody. So if you, Gotham, uh, if somebody tells you from India, uh, uh, Gotham, I want to have a meeting with Siemens, and I'm sure you know somebody from Siemens. I mean, that's not the way you can arrange for meetings. You have to prepare your, your pitch. You have to really do research. You have to... Uh, uh, find good arguments why the person you want to meet why the company you want company you want to discuss business with why uh, they would benefit from talking to you um, germans are super super protective about their time i mean i had situations when i was visiting a city in india and i had been asking for a meeting And people agreed to meet me. And then shortly before they said, and who are you? Uh, back? I, thought, okay. I mean, that's in Germany, just the opposite. What are you doing? Meeting. And then, uh, yeah, this. this. What, what does the average German expect in a good business relationship? Uh, what does the average German expect in a good business relationship? Yeah, basically, it's it's working smoothly um, in the sense whatever you promise, you deliver. Um, if you promise you deliver 12 o'clock sharp, 
goods have to be there at 12 o'clock sharp, not five past 12, not 10 past 12. Uh, that's, that's one thing. If you're running late for any reasons, give us a big, big heads up. Let us know in advance because Germans, they, they do a lot of planning, plan A, plan B, plan C. It's not like uh, running into a problem is a good way to learn and to improvise. That's not something Germans are very much into. Germans want to feel safe. They want to be able to prepare. So in a good relationship, I I really expect my supplier, let's uh, take that as an example for a business relationship, I expect my supplier to give me full transparency about what is happening and where, where could be problems. And uh, also a good business relationship. In a good business relationship, I mean, sometimes you, you um, develop kind of a friendship is a big word. I mean, after some times I would know about your kids and your wife and maybe we go together uh, for lunch and share a beer. That can happen, but it's not how we define a good business relationship. So business first and then it's nice if we uh, have a, a more personal relationship, but, but that's only second so it's uh, Dienst is Dienst und Schnaps is Schnaps. Absolute, absolute, absolute. So how, how do we translate that? Dienst is Dienst, Schnaps is Schnaps. Uh, yeah, business is business, booze is booze. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to mix the two together. No, no, no. <laughs> well, sometimes. <laughs> But I have to ask you about online platforms. Um Connecting with people outside your network on such platforms still isn't as widely accepted in Germany as compared to some other countries. Um, why is that? Oh, why is that? Yeah. I mean, what I'm using is uh, LinkedIn. In Germany, there are two platforms where you would want to register with. That is Xing. And LinkedIn, Xing, my opinion, not much is happening there. But if you're trying to set a foot in the German market, it's very good if people can find you on Xing when they research your company or your name. The other platform, LinkedIn. And I mean, I can only share my very personal observations When I do research uh, in a certain target group, let's say smaller technical companies, the CEO and the CTO in Denmark, I find plenty of people, although Denmark is a very, very small country. When I'm doing the same for Germany, I find less people. Uh, I find when I am able to identify people on LinkedIn, they don't share a photograph or very less information and I could imagine that there are two reasons the one is the language it's basically in, in English even though you can also have a second profile in German and the other thing is the concern about sharing private information uh, be it your photo be it uh, yeah your work history or even sharing uh, yeah your your perspectives or some some stuff you you always feel very protective or many people feel very protective about not uh, giving a part too much of their 
personal information as they perceive. But what would you recommend um, companies do to increase their visibility in the German market? In general, it's it's about how you present yourself. It starts with that. And maybe we can, uh, um, for the occasion, um, in fact, stay a little longer with that LinkedIn topic. Present yourself as super, I mean, professional but approachable meaning if i see linkedin profiles from uh, people with sunglasses or they have uh, or selfies that that's not how you present yourself as a serious business person in germany um on the other hand i mean some people just scan their passport photographs and Yeah, that's a funny story. When I did my visa photographs at Con Market in Delhi, and normally on the photos, I don't smile. And and then uh, I thought I have to smile a little bit. And the guy said, don't smile. And I thought that's a joke. So I would finally smile. And then only I learned that in India, not not supposed to smile on passport photographs. So in Germany, If you write an application or you post your photo on LinkedIn, it's it's good to smile a little bit. So maybe not showing too much teeth, but but a little bit. So presenting yourself as a reliable business person, it's not sunglasses, it's not selfies, but it's also not these really stern photographs. Worst thing is uh, scanned passport photos. I've seen that a lot. So don't do this. Um, you were asking in very general terms what I would recommend. And it's, again, very much about how you present yourselves. See, if you're writing an email to a German, for example, be super, super uh, alert about any typos, about any, what is comma and dot in general terms? Punctuation. Punctuation. That has to be flawless. Because if you send something with the punctuation not right and maybe mixing the type, the, 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 what is it called? The type? In uh, the font, maybe? Yeah, the font. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Gotham. And maybe your logo is uh, a bit, uh, yeah, Pixelic, we say in Germany, uh, yeah, it, it will be deleted instantly. You've also spent some time in India and you're quite familiar with the culture and business practices. Uh, you've even written two books for expats in India. How did this adventure begin? How does uh, the adventure of my life, India, ongoing adventure? Uh, yes, See, uh, one of my father's sisters, she was married to an Indian, my dear, beloved uncle Nino, who she met during her studies sometimes in the 60s. So that was a big thing. Somebody from a very Catholic family marrying this, this guy from India. And, uh, well, Nino, I have always known as my great uncle, a wonderful personality, very scholarly uh, person. He was a university professor traveling uh, all over the world with politicians. Whenever there was like a bigger delegation to a country, he was joining these people. So for me, 
India was always my my uncle Nino. That was a place I thought I, I I need to see someday. So unfortunately, my uncle passed away very early when when I was twenty years ago, which is a long long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that's that's my connection to India. And when was the last time you visited? Uh the last time was this year in March, end of Feb uh, till midst of March, and I think my Lufthansa direct flight from Delhi back to Munich was one of the last regular planes. <laughs> So you got back just in time. Just in time, just in time. So I remember um, I flew back on Thursday, very early morning, and, and, and Tuesday was holy. And I think it was either, either either the eve before holy or on holy, and they said, visa suspended, uh, whoever is in the country may stay there, um, but whoever is not already there is not allowed in. And that was really a b big shock for me. I mean, one thing, I'm very aware of my very powerful German passport that normally I can go wherever I want. So that was kind of a very general shock. And I, then I was thinking, my God, now if I leave the country, will when will I be able to get back again? And I was, I'm not kidding. That was my thinking process at the time. I was even thinking maybe I better stay in the country. I mean, I, I, um, I'm put up at my cousin's house and uh, better not leave the country. Who knows when they leave me in <laughs> back again. Wow, that's quite that is quite an adventure. Of <laughs> uh, yeah, not not too much. I mean, what really felt like an adventure. See, uh, I have as a kid, I've not been really traveling a lot. My parents always went to Austria. Then, at the age of twelve, I was in Great Britain because my English was not good, and and I think I went to Spain with one of, I mean, with my first boyfriend. That was my experience abroad. And then in 2001, I had that strange idea of, I want to go abroad. I want to go to India and remembering the yeah connections in the family. Uh, I ended up, I mean, that in a very, very good way, ended up um, spending half a year with Tata McGraw-Hill in Delhi. So you you, you, you imagine a girl mid-20s, only experience Austria, Spain, a small town in Great Britain, and, and I was in India. And I mean, that felt indeed like an adventure. And that story is not in the book. <laughs> I only share with good friends. And everyone else who's listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great book uh, with a lot of information for anyone who's interested in doing business in Germany. Andra's book is available on Amazon. Her contact details are available in this podcast's description. Andra, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Ah, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you, Gotham. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you. That's all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Until the next one. <laughs>